It's so good to see all of y'all here today. Um, I feel so honored to get to be here and preach. So we're going to be talking about the occult today. Now, there was a trucker who used to come through Brownwood. He was a regular route, and he was overheard one day talking to one of the new truckers. He was simply stating, as a matter of fact, that at that time, Brownwood was number one per cap now uh, in the availability of drugs and the availability of the occult. Now, I don't know whether that was true or not, but that was kind of a, a sad thing to be said about our area. And so a lot of people after that began really praying and uh, standing in the spiritual realm for that to come down, you know. But it, it touched my heart, and I thought, okay, we've got to change this. We've got to change this, and I believe we have. And I know this church is praying and standing, and uh, we're just so proud of all of you. I want us to talk today about what the occult is doing in this area and in other areas where we need to pray and we need to be on top of that. Now, sadly, there are a lot of people, even Christians, who are playing around with the occult. They're doing it out of ignorance. A lot of people just flat don't know. So today, what I want us to do, I want us to focus in on those things that come under the category of the occult. Now, that's why I've entitled this Bible study, Rooting Out the Occult. You know, there's a big majority of us who probably have some open doors that we may not even know about. But what that does when we have open doors, it gives a legal right for the enemy to come in without our even realizing it. And so sometimes I think it's important for these messages to be taught just so we can, you know, examine ourselves and examine what we're believing. And so today I want us to get some of those, those doors closed. Amen. Now, my husband and I used to work cattle, and if you've ever seen a bull with a ring in his nose, you know, you'll never forget the analogy, because a ring is a tiny little thing compared to the size of that bull. Yes. And you can pull on that ring, and you can literally make that bull go anywhere you want him to go. Wow. You know, you can lead that bull around against his will, even though that bull may weigh over 2,000 pounds. Well, some people... I think, have some things in their life that give Satan uh, a real open door. Things that are just like a ring in their nose, and he's pulling them around. Now, the scary thing is there comes a point when you can be led around by that ring against your will, sometimes without even realizing you're being led around. Now, the ruler of this world has come, and we want to be able to say just exactly like Jesus did. He has absolutely nothing in me. That needs to be the goal of every Christian. He has no ring in my nose. Okay, now, since this is a season of extreme spiritual warfare here at the end of October, it's a good time for us to be talking about rooting out the occult. Now, I think it may shock you how many of God's people ignorantly now have an open door in this area. Now, in Joshua 24, 2 and 3, God called Abraham, and he called him to get away from his father's idolatry. Now, some of us are being called out of some idolatry that has been maybe in our family history for a long time. And sometimes our parents have been in some stuff that they didn't even know was wrong. They were just ignorantly there. And in Genesis 31, we find that Abraham led his children children to serve the one true God. He had gotten away from the idolatry of his father, and so he has taught his children the way in which they should go. And Jacob, who was Abraham's grandson, he, he served the one true God. He loved Jehovah God. Now, he and his brother had had an argument. They had a falling out, and so he went to live in the land of his mother. 
and he ended up marrying two now of his uncle's daughters. He ended up marrying Rachel and Leah. And so for 14 years now, he's been serving his father-in-law in payment for those daughters. You know, it's kind of nice that today you don't have to pay for your, pay for your daughters when you find them. But he was paying for those daughters. And Jacob had been with Laban now for 20 years in all. And Laban had never treated Jacob fairly. He'd never treated him fairly. So Jacob finally slipped away secretly, and he took his wives, his two wives, he took his children, and the part of the flock that belonged to him. But when Laban discovered that they were gone, now he's furious. And so he pursues them, and he overtakes them in Genesis 31. And so and start, starting in verse 26, Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you've stolen away without my knowing? And you've carried away my daughters like captives, taken away with a sword. Why did you sneak away from me and not tell me? I would have sent you away with joy and songs and musical instruments. And we know that's not true. Yeah. He never treated him fairly. But he's telling him now, I would have done, had a huge party for you. But he said, you did not permit me to kiss my sons and daughters farewell. You have acted very foolishly. It's in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night. I thought it was interesting that he's in uh, pagan worship. But he was listening to the God of uh, Jacob's father. And he said, do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. You left because you longed after your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Okay, now this shows us that Laban was an idol worshiper. Yeah. Uh, but Jacob was not. He was not an idol worshiper. He served the one true God. He served the God of his father and the God of his grandfather, Abraham. So he feels sure now that no one has taken those idols that were in his group. He knew that. And so he's actually so sure that he sets up a curse in the spiritual realm for the one who could be guilty of that idolatry. He, was, he said, no, none of my people would do that. So in verses 32 and 35, Jacob said, I left secretly because I was afraid that you would take your daughters away from me by force. But anyone with whom you find those gods, let him die. Let him not live. So he's so positive that his family would not do that. Now point, he says, point out anything that I've taken that's yours, and you may have it back. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the idols. Now Rachel was his favorite wife. And he had no idea that she had stolen the idols. So later, Laban went in Leah's tent. He didn't find the idols. Then he went in Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols. She had put them now in the camel's saddlebag. And she was sitting on them. And Laban searched the entire tent but could not find the idols. Well, she thought that she was pretty clever in the way that she had hidden those idols. And she, pretty clever in her occult ways. And it appears that it opened the door to her death. Now, how sad that she went against the blessing that she could have had from her husband. Amen. Her husband loved the one true God. She could have been blessed all of her life if she had just followed in his leading to serve God. Now, I want to show you something interesting. Jacob had the blessing of no miscarriages in his family, even to the extent of protection over all of his animals. And Jacob said in verse 38, he said, for these 20 years that I've been with you, your goats have not miscarried. You haven't lost any of the young. Wow. You know, you wonder if Laban had ever thought about that before. But here Jacob's pointing it out. But sadly, he said, we're going to see now where the protection was lifted from the one now who had dabbled in the occult. 
course, he had no idea that it was his wife that had done that. And we never see where she repented. It's not in the, in the Bible that she repented. Now, Rachel has already had one child, but with Rachel's very next child, she dies in childbirth. Now, there's never been a miscarriage for 20 years, but hidden sin got her out from under now God's protection. And that's why it was so sad. And the enemy came in and stole where no repentance was made. Okay, let's go now and let's see what happened in the life of Rachel's firstborn son. Now, we're going to see how that curse passed down. Now, in Genesis 44, years have passed, and Joseph, Rachel's second son now, he's been sold into slavery. He was sold by his ten brothers. He spent a lot of time in prison. But he's served God. He loved God. He never turned against the ways that God had shown him. But now... After all of this time in prison, when he's never turned from God, he's loved God and served God all of this time, finally then, God sees to it that he becomes second in command to Pharaoh, and he's going to be the one to, serve, to store up the grain now for the famine. Now, his brothers finally came to Egypt to buy grain. They're starving, and so they come, but they don't recognize Joseph. Well, no wonder they don't recognize him. They figured he was dead. They had tried to kill yes. him, and they finally sold him uh, into slavery. And so he sets out to find out if their hearts have changed. You know, I thought it was interesting. You could see the goodness in Joseph simply because he's still giving them another chance. They've sold him into horrible slavery, and yet he's thinking, well, maybe their hearts have changed, yes. which, thank God, that it had to a certain extent. But I want to show you now the one thing in his life that was contrary to God's will. God's word. In Genesis 44, verses 1 through 5, when Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to buy the grain, they don't recognize their brother Joseph. And so he's going to test them to see if they've changed from their evil ways. So he had his servants go and put their money back in the sacks of grain. And he also had his silver cup put in his brother Benjamin's sack. And then he has his servants follow them and he has them put their sacks down, and they look, and they find the money. Don't you imagine they were shocked? Because they know they didn't get the money. Don't you know they were shocked when those sacks were opened up, and they're probably terrified what's going to happen to them now. And verse 5 says, they also find the cup from which he drinks and uses to practice divination. Okay, now we see that curse passing down from Laban to Rachel, and then... We're going to see a little of it showing up in Joseph's life. Now, Joseph had always been the one person in the Old Testament who seemed to have a flawless track record with God. Remember, he was the one that fled temptation when Potiphar's wife, yes. years before, had come in and tried to entice him. Uh, but he determined he was not going to sin against his God. So the scary thing is that the occult can happen even to a very spiritual person. Wow. And that's what I want us to see today. Because we have to be so careful. You know, he refused to compromise all through his life, even to the extent of going to prison for something he didn't do. But after he began to live among the Egyptians, after he began to be accustomed to their ways, even though he stayed true to the one true God, he stayed true to him, we still find that a little bit of the occult practices now of Egypt began to slip in until it finally seemed like the acceptable and normal thing to do. He became desensitized until divination didn't seem to be wrong anymore. Now, occult practices can be very subtle. 
And that's what I really want us to hear today. They can be very subtle and slip in, maybe when we're not even realizing it. Wow. Now, in verse 15, Joseph even said to his brothers, Did you not know that a man such as I could certainly practice divination? So, I mean, he got deceived in that area. It's almost as if he's justifying his right now to this one pagan practice. Now, he's lived among the Egyptians, and one of their pagan practices has influenced them. That's what we need to watch for. But there's, but it's still an abomination to God. There's never a time when these occult practices have not been an abomination. And it's still true today. Yes. Okay, I want you to take down three scripture references. They clearly spell out exactly what the occult are and how God sees them, how he looks at them. It's in Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14. You need to mark that in your Bible. Okay, now this scripture, it doesn't mean much until we look into it and we realize what it's telling us in the Hebrew and find out what some of these terms mean. And so verses 10, there must not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire or who uses divination or who uses witchcraft or anyone who is an interpreter of almonds or a sorcerer or one who casts a spell or a spiritualist or an occultist. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. This is pretty strong language. It's an abomination to the Lord. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Okay, God is spelling it very, out very clearly. I mean, he's not mincing words here. In two short verses, he's listing everything of the occult. And uh, he's warning people against it. Okay, now we're going to find out what these terms mean in this list. We're going to see that every one of them are going on in our world today. Now, if they were called to be blameless under the old covenant, how much more then we're called to be blameless under the new covenant Amen. after Christ has died on yes. the cross for us? How much more God expects that of us? Okay, in verse 10, we'll break it down. The first thing it talks about is making a child pass through the fire. And we think, well, God, I certainly wouldn't do that. You know, I'm not going to worry about that one. That's child sacrifice. Well, what do we think about abortion? You know, abortion is certainly the greatest sacrifice of children that right. the world has ever known. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know there's some people who have, uh, have had an abortion before they knew better. And God wants you to come and just repent, get before yes. him, and, and get cleansed. Yeah. Because he's more than willing to forgive yes. us and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. But he wants us to turn from those things. Yes. Next, it talks about one who uses divination. Now, divination is the means of getting information or guidance from a uh, demonic source. Okay, now that takes in channeling. It takes in spirit guides. It takes in seances. It takes in fortune telling. And I think of how many people I know, and, and they'll go to a fortune teller just for the fun of it. You know, there's many things that fall under the heading of divination. And so divination is never done just for fun, even though some people think, okay, I'm just doing this for fun. No, it's not for fun. Next, it talks about the ones who practice witchcraft. Now, we interchange many times the terms witchcraft and divination. But witchcraft now takes in a little bit more. It means to hold another person in a spell or to take control of another person. Now, there's ways in which a person can hold another individual under their control. And some people call it a witchcraft hold. Some people call it a soul tie because... A soul ties are when a person's made to feel obligated to do certain things, sometimes without there even being a word said. 
but they feel an obligation. They know that there's just a pull on them that, uh, to do something that another person wants them to do. It's not godly. And that's called a soul tie. Okay, next it talks about one who interprets almonds. Okay, this takes in palm readers. It takes in tarot cards, reading tea leaves, uh, astrology. Now, astronomy is just the study of the stars, but astrology is demonic. And a lot of people are in astronomy. Horoscopes comes under uh, this. Having your fortune told. Now, all of these things are very present practices in our world today. But God's saying it's an abomination. Yes. Now, just because someone does just one of these things on occasion just for fun, because a lot of people say, well, I just did it for fun. Okay, it's still wrong. It's still yes. ungodly in God's eyes. And, it, and it, what it does, it opens the door to a curse. Now, next it talks about sorcery. It comes from the same Greek word that our word pharmaceutical comes from. Now, a sorcerer is one who uses drugs to bring on a, a trance. And a lot of people think, well, you know, sorcery, they don't think that much about sorcery. But I want you to think about how many people are taking drugs today. That is sorcery. And God forbids it. He forbids it. It's condemned now by the Bible. And yet I want you to look at how many, many people today are taking drugs. I mean, it, you know, you can hardly find people out in the world that are not taking them. Now, so many say, oh, there's nothing wrong with maybe smoking a little weed or a little bit of marijuana. God forbids it, and he calls it an abomination. Wow. Okay, verse 11, God forbids casting a spell. Okay, now that takes in hypnosis. Some medical science uses hypnosis, and they, they say it's okay. But it's dangerous because it's forbidden to relinquish one's will over to another person. Okay, next it talks about controlling, a, consulting with a medium or a fortune teller. Think how many people run to a fortune teller. This also takes in uh, going to a seance or uh, consulting with a familiar spirit. Okay, next it talks about a spiritist. This is one who practices white or black magic. And there are people even being interviewed on TV today who call their occult practices white magic. You know, and they openly testify and tell about it, even on TV. Now that wasn't the case a generation ago, but that it's open now. Now that means that they use occult practices to work what they say is are good things. Well, that's a lie. You know, I mean, God calls it an abomination. It's kind of like, I don't know how many of y'all are old enough to remember the uh, TV show Bewitched with, oh, yeah. with uh, Samantha, you know. Well, uh, that was totally satanic. And yet, everybody watched it. They thought it was wow. so funny and they enjoyed yeah. it. But see, Satan had slipped in to make us see a part of the occult as just being fun and games. Just a, a cute <coughs> comedy movie. See, there's no such thing as using white magic to do good things. Because God says a house divided will never stand. And Amen. so he's calling that an abomination. Okay, next he talks about one who, who calls up the dead. We're forbidden to make an attempt or to try to talk to someone or contact someone uh, who has uh, died. Now, if you look up what all these words mean, you're going to find that it's all the terminology of the modern New Age practices. And a lot of people say, oh, there's nothing wrong with New Age. Well, all these things that I just named are a part of the New Age practices. New Age practices will fall into one of these categories on the list that God has said is forbidden. Yes. 
Now, it may be called New Age, but it's not new. I can promise you that. Uh, it's as old as the Bible. And it's still an abomination to God, and the sad part, it still brings a curse. The only reason that God tries to keep us out of these things is because he doesn't want us to go through what happens when a curse is operating. Now, in Leviticus 19.31, it tells us not to turn to a medium or turn to a spiritualist. It says, do not seek them out or you will be defiled by them. It doesn't say occasionally you might be defiled by them. It says you will be defiled by them. Okay, you need to mark that scripture in your Bible, Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14, because that lists it out. God spells it all out in two short verses. Now in Exodus 22, verse 18, it says that the witch could not even be allowed to live. Think about how many people say that they're in witchcraft today. And in the Old Testament, it says the witch won't even be allowed to live. Okay, that shows the ser seriousness of what we're talking about here today. Idiot, all this is forbidden. Now, for those of you who uh, have done maybe some reading into the life of Elvis, it was amazing. He had a dramatic infatuation with her, his mother. So as soon as she died, he tried to contact her from the dead. And if you studied his life from that point on, it's very obvious to see the door to the occult that he opened in his life and, and the consequences that came. It's really sad. Now, there's also similar stories. There are a lot of people in that. In the life of Houdini, they said that he definitely tried to contact the demon. But Hosea 4.6 says, God's people now are destroyed for two things. God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of the word. In other words, when we just don't know what the word says. It still can be destroyed from it. And number two, when they reject the knowledge of the word. Knowing the truth, but just not obeying it. Okay, now both destroy, so ignorance is not an excuse. You know, I used to think, well, I just didn't know better. Well, yes. I have the Bible. Yes. I could have gotten in the Bible and I could have found out, yes. you know. Now, any time we have pagan practices mixed in with our activities, what we're doing, we're playing around with the occult. We're, we're doing exactly what God forbids. Now, I'm amazed at how many pagan customs that a lot of Christians ignorantly mix into some of their holidays. And it's so dangerous. Now, since today's Halloween, we as Christians at least need to know that Halloween is a satanic holiday. You know, we were told this when our children were young. And Jack and I thought, oh, surely not. You know, I mean, it was a shock to us. And so Jack and I started investigating because we were young. We didn't know what the Bible said. But it didn't take a lot of searching in the Word to realize that the Bible, uh, that it was purely satanic and it was pagan. Now, we know then that in obedience to God and also for the protection of our children, we knew that we were going to have to do something. We were going to have to change. We knew we weren't going to participate in Halloween again. God says, if it's an abomination to me, then I want you to have no part in it. And so he showed us that there was no harmless or innocent side to Halloween, that it was a satanic holiday. But conformity to the world has such a pull on all of us that too often... What we're really tempted to do, we're tempted to compromise that because we don't want our children to be disappointed. We, yes. we don't want our children to feel like that they've been deprived. And so Jack started praying about that. He found out that just because it's a tradition doesn't mean that, that we, we can't stop and say, hey, we made a mistake and repent and say, okay, Lord, show me what to do now. Show me how to get out of this. Show me what to do because 
you don't want my children to be deprived of anything, but you want them to be using the right things. And so he saw that every pagan practice has consequences. So since both of our kids were pranksters, they were pranksters, <laughs> that's about as I can say. Uh, so how did Jack keep his two kids from going into rebellion? Because sometimes you can go and tell your kids, you'll never do this again, you know. And they go into rebellion, or sometimes they throw a fit, or sometimes they just do things behind a parent's back. So he started praying and saying, God, what can, what can I do? How can I do? I don't, I don't want that to happen. And so he spent the biggest part of the next year letting the kids be a part of his research because he wanted to research it anyway. And they became a part of his research, and he would read to them and have them mark the scriptures in their Bible. And he didn't start, start out by saying, you're never going to do this again. He didn't do that. He just said, let's, let's look into it. Let's study this. And he had them mark the scriptures, and he had them read where it violated God's word completely, how God had warned the children of Israel against it. And then he started showing them the danger of participating in a pagan celebration and the consequences that came. And how God told them, don't have anything to do with witchcraft because look at these serious repercussions uh, that Israel came into because they didn't heed the warning. And then it wasn't just an area where the kids felt deprived. I mean, it became their conviction just as much as it was our conviction. See, the truth will set us free. Amen. The truth will set yes. our children free. But sometimes it has to do with how we present the truth to them, how we let it become their uh, acknowledgement just as much as it is ours. So we need to just teach our children what the Word says. That's right. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's not something we're saying, you're not going to do this anymore. You know, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't go well with the child. <laughs> But when they hear what you're saying, when they see what the Word of God says, when they see what's happened in somebody else's life, then all of a sudden they start thinking about it. And interestingly, when we took Halloween completely out of the picture, Thanksgiving took on its proper place. We were, I was shocked at how we hadn't paid that much attention to Thanksgiving before. And all of a sudden, Thanksgiving became really special. And the decorations and the celebration of Thanksgiving became the Christian way of celebrating, you know, the fall and the harvest time. Because up until then, Halloween had tried to overshadow and dimension, uh, diminish our attention of Thanksgiving. We just hadn't paid that much attention to it. So Thanksgiving is our Christian holiday to celebrate God's goodness and to celebrate his promises. And it's our reminder to be so thankful for all the beautiful things that God has done. And there's so many special ways that you can teach your children to Enjoy Thanksgiving and celebrate Thanksgiving. Now, so many times when our soldier boys are uh, in different countries, they'll be given a leave or maybe a day off, and many times they'll tour a, a Buddhist temple or, or sometimes a Hindu shrine. And more often than not, these boys have no idea that they're walking into a nest of demons. They just they have no idea. And so several years ago, we took a guy through deliverance and he was having a lot of mental problems. And during the deliverance, there was a weird foreign chanting that just made your, your skin crawl. Well, after the deliverance, he was suddenly able to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He hadn't been able to, to do that before. And then he related the story of visiting a Buddhist temple years before while he was in the service. And he said that 
when he was in there, that same strange chanting had come on him there in the Buddhist temple. And it had tormented him for years. Well, here it was, years later, after this had happened, and he was finally able to get free and get released from that. Amen. Now, even though he saw no harm in playing around with an afternoon of what looked like innocent-looking entertainment, he thought, well, you know, what's wrong with just going and, and having an afternoon? But he didn't realize the torment that it was going to open up in his life. Wow. Now, when you start your day praying and you put your armor on, you're going to find that, and, and you're really believing God for your protection. Satan can't just jump off on you. You know, a lot of people fear that. But when you're submitting yourself to God, he can't just jump off on you. But when we put ourselves in a wrong place, or when we entertain ourselves in Satan's territory, you know, what we're doing, we're opening the door in the spiritual realm to satanic warfare. And God is showing... Christians today, ways to come out of that and ways to get set free because he wants us free. He wants to be able to bless us. And he knows there's yes. some things we do where he can't bless us. So that's why he's trying to get the truth out to people. Now this is important. I found this so many times in people's lives that Satan will often use obvious evil in the occult to kind of divert our attention and deceive us to keep us from uh, seeing the lesser evil. For example, you know, we hear of child sacrifice and we hear of satanic rituals and we think, boy, I'll never have anything to do with that, you know. Yes. And so uh, we, we get that settled in our mind. Then with our attention focused over on some obvious evil activities, he can slip sometimes some subtle new age ideas on us and we don't even notice it in comparison. So that's something we need to really watch, you know. You know, there was a period of time right after Walt Disney died that Walt Disney movies were filled with the occult. I know you've noticed yeah. that. And often people would go because they'd say, well, it's just a Disney movie. I, I know years ago, uh, I, I, we quit going to the Disney movies for the most part. I, I had a lot of friends say, well, it's just a Disney movie. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Well, Disney featured whole movies sometimes on the occult, like The Black Cauldron. And Karate Kid was a cult from start to finish, and it comes from practices in Eastern religions. And a lot of people don't know that, you know. A decade ago, it was a seemingly innocent little outer space monster called E.T., you know. That boy, he pulled on your heartstrings, and everybody loved little E.T. And yet, he, he was portrayed as doing the same thing that Christ did. Now, I haven't seen this in all the Superman movies, most of them, I think Superman was just the good guy fighting evil. But one Superman movie shocked me when it started out with Superman's father saying, Superman so loved the world that he sent his only son. That he, in other words, he was saying, I loved the world so much that I sent my only son to save the world. Well, that's not even subtle. Wow. You know, that was very serious. And yet most people went to that Superman movie and they didn't pay any attention to that. They didn't hear that. It's subtle, but it's seductive. And it's very, very dangerous. Now, a person going through deliverance has to truly repent from all occult involvement. Thank God, when we do the wrong things, God doesn't just say, all right, you're out here. No. He calls us and woos us and, and pulls on our heartstrings until we come and repent. And then he's ready to pull us back, take yeah. us back, and just pour his blessings on us. That's all he's waiting for. So a uh, person going through deliverance has to truly repent 
from all occult involvement if they want to get true deliverance from things like, you know, Ouija boards, psychic games, levitation, you know, dungeon drivers. There's a lot of games on our, on our, just our little phone, you know, that we have to be very careful because most of the time it was things that we got involved in at parties or sometimes at a friend's house. Well, you know, you think, what can be wrong with going to a friend's house and playing a game with them? And but the sad part, even parents will sometimes defend these things out of ignorance. We've seen that so many times because they just don't know better. When Jack taught the sixth grade Sunday school boys in uh, the Baptist church, uh, some of the guys came to one day and they asked him what he thought about the Ouija board. And he said, well, it is of the cult. Uh, and it made some of the parents furious. Um, they went to the pastor. They wanted the pastor to come and jump on us. Well, even parents were insisting on their child's right to do certain things. And I know it was because they didn't know better, but they didn't realize they were opening their children up to satanic things. In Deuteronomy 18, we read where it strictly forbids seeking any kind of guidance from the occult, even if we think we're doing it for fun. It's forbidden, you know. Now, I don't want to show of hands, but uh, I, I, I want you to just think how many times maybe you've been uh, reading your horoscope. It's shocking to find out how many Christians, and they say they're just reading their horoscope for fun. But that's not fun, <laughs> and, and it, it's, not, it's not a game. As a Christian, you shouldn't even know or care what sign you're born under. That shouldn't Amen. even be anything that concerns you. Signs of the zodiac should just be detestable to us. And this is important. Demons don't ever tell the whole truth. A lot of people go to a fortune teller because they, they want to know something about whatever, you know. Well, you don't ever want to give in, get any guidance from a demonic source because they give you just enough truth to suck you into deception. You don't get true truth, you know. Deuteronomy 7, verse 26, it says, You not, shall not bring an abomination into your house, lest you become cursed like it. But you must absolutely detest and abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. You know, I didn't know those kind of scriptures were in, in the Bible. When Jack started studying, and, and finally he said, My goodness, can't even bring an abomination into the house. It becomes a cursed thing, and you become cursed like it. But you must absolutely detest it, abhor it, for it's a cursed thing. God doesn't say those things to us just to give us a hard time. Uh, he gives us that because he wants us to be, have a full life. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be blessed. And he knows these things will keep us from blessing. Yeah. Now, so many people decorate their homes with Buddhas. So many, you know, a lot of times people who have a lot of money will go out and hire somebody to come in and decorate their home. And they come back not even knowing. And sometimes there's Buddhas, there's uh, zodiac signs, there are masks, you know, from satanic rituals, little statues of foreign gods. And they have it there and they think, oh my goodness, I paid so much money for all this beautiful decoration. And we don't realize that we're opening the door to the enemy. God says, don't even bring it into your home, Deuteronomy 7, verse 26. Uh, we don't get a newspaper now, but when Jack was alive, we got a newspaper, and he would go outside to get the newspaper, open it up, and tear the horoscope out before he ever brought it into the house. Wow. And that may sound a little strong, but God's word is strong. It says don't bring it into your house. Satan deals with our mind 
and God speaks up through our spirit. Yes. But most of the occult activities are mind games, if you'll notice, you know, uh, especially on your computer, you know, all mind games. Well, that's how Satan works. Is, uh, many times it's through the mind. That's why we have to have our mind renewed to the Word. Yoga mind exercises is another way of getting a person in a position for the subconscious to be opened up to Eastern religious practices. Yoga meditation trains a person to go into intense concentration. And I know some people don't go into the depths of it, but when a person goes into the depths of it, you know, they, uh, they say that they want to get in touch with their inner man. Uh, I was on a trip with a friend one time, and she was so worried because uh, her kids came to visit her. They were in a uh, in one of the mo a different motel room, and every morning they would go in and have their their uh, concentration time. You know, they get in touch with their inner man. You know, and uh, <laughs> she didn't. She knew it was wrong what they were doing. She knew they wouldn't listen to her, so she kept going over and knocking on their door to ask them questions. She was disturbing their concentration, you know. But uh, the concentration and relaxation is to pull our defenses down. That's what it's for. Wow. Until we open up our mind and let things come in that we don't want there, that we don't want it. Uh, you're even told many times in these uh, places, you're told, keep your mind open. I can remember when I got sick, I was just a, very young, and I'd gone to the neighbor to witness to her, but I didn't know she was in heavy, demonic things. And I knew nothing about that. I'd never studied the Bible. It was there. If I'd studied, I, I, God was trying to get me the truth through to me. But uh, one of the, when I went in, I told her I wanted to talk, talk to her about Jesus. And she said, you'll give me equal time. And that sounded reasonable to me then. So anyway, the first thing she said when she talked to me, I can't remember anything she told me, but she said, you must now, when I talk, you must keep your mind open. And she kept saying, keep your mind open. And I thought, you know, later, I thought, oh my goodness. Uh, I've often told people I kept my mind so open that my brain fell out. <laughs> Didn't find it for a long time. But anyway, uh, God wants to get the truth through to us. Now, it's a form of self-hypnosis when you open your subconscious to demonic spirits. And a demon spirit now, in the form of wrong thoughts and ideas, when we open up, will come in. Now you're told that you're relaxing, but instead, it's a breaking down of the subconscious to accept what the conscious mind would never have accepted. Wow. Okay, it, uh, what it is, it's a soulish power, which is opposite to God's spiritual power that he wants to bring to us through yes. the Holy Spirit. You know, people go after demonic things, and they have no idea that if they go after God, the power that's there so supersedes anything that the enemy could come up with. Yeah. And uh, But they're going after power. They're going after all this, not knowing it's available to us through Jesus. Now, we're never to seek self-power. Now, all of what I've described, it can be subtle, and it can be done out of ignorance until we know better. But let's see how the new converts in the New Testament, how they were called upon to handle these occult practices. In Acts 19.19, 19, it says, Many who practiced magic brought their books and burned them in front of everyone. They calculated the value, which equaled 50,000 drachmas. 
I don't know exactly how to pronounce that. So the word of the Lord powerfully grew and spread. Okay, these New Testament believers now, they handled the problem dramatically. They were willing to be a lot of money just in order to obey God. Amen. And that's what we have to come to. For Lord, I want to please you. I want to be obedient to you, whatever it costs, because I know on the other side of that, you have so many blessings for us. And it's a process for Christians uh, in trouble because they aren't studying their Bible many times to find these things out. And many times they're going to churches that don't teach it. So uh, they're staying ignorant. But, you know, we're going to find out that's not an excuse because it's there. It tells us. Now, there's even some churches that have spook houses and Halloween parties inside the church. So unknowingly what they're doing, they're opening the doors to demonic activity and Sometimes their, their members are coming uh, innocently, and it's really bad. In Revelation 2, verse 24, the church at Thyatira was complimented by God for being ignorant of the deep things of Satan. You know, most people don't think about the fact that God compliments us for, be, to, for being ignorant of certain things. He wants us to be ignorant of things that, that involve the enemy and don't involve him. Now, some people think that they're uh, to experience these things, so they'll have the knowledge about everything. Well, that's exactly the same line of thinking that caused Adam and Eve to fall. God didn't want them to know about the evil that was in the garden, but they had to know more. They had to know more, yes. you know. And there's some things that God does not want us to have knowledge of, certain things God does not want us to experience. <laughs> So stay away from the dark things of Satan. Be ignorant in what's evil, the Bible says. And when, when we do that in obedience to God, then he opens up his truth to us, which is unbelievable. So just be innocent of the, the call. Okay, now let me ask you. Why is it that when we know to be innocent, when, uh, uh, when we know not to have anything to do with certain music, we know not to have certain things to anything to do with certain occult practices or to have anything to do with the horoscope or certain holidays or certain books. You know, why is it that we still want to fight to hang on to something that's totally displeasing to God and destructive to us? And that's what I was asking God. You know, why is it that we go for things like that? And um, he, he took me to 1 Samuel 15. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to give you the root that has to be removed before we can submit totally to God. There's a spirit that opens the door to the occult. And the Bible tells us very plainly what we have to do to get rid of it, to be free from witchcraft. And you need to mark this in your Bible, 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. It says, rebellion is the same as the sin of witchcraft. Think about that, rebellion. Being rebellious is the same as the sin of witchcraft. And uh, stubbornness or determined to have your own will, self-will, is the same as idolatry. We need wow. to mark that in our Bible. That's pretty strong, you know. Rebellion and stubbornness against what the Word of God teaches opens the door to witchcraft when we're stubborn, when we're rebellious. Okay, now there's nothing that can antagonize certain <coughs> Christians more than having someone stand up and say, celebrating Halloween is wrong. Certain TV shows are wrong. Certain music is wrong, you know. Uh, reading your horoscope is wrong. Wow. And some people, it, it makes them really angry. But any time that we're defensive of any part of the occult, 
there's rebellion involved. And it says rebellion is the same as witchcraft uh, and divination. Okay, insubordination, stubbornness, not being willing to yield to what God tells us. That's idolatry. And our will is on the throne instead of God's will. To truly root out every tidbit of the occult, we're going to have to face rebellion because that, that, that's the root behind witchcraft. And if you'll remember Lucifer, according to Ezekiel 28, he was created blameless. But then he got into self-will, got into rebellion, and that rebellion was found in him, and that rebellion traveled straight down through uh, the sin nature of man down through the ages. And we're still dealing with it today, and it causes a person to defend the practices now of Satan. But God is telling us, be holy as I am holy. Amen. We can no longer hide our horoscope practices, uh, our, our occult practices. And when we do, if we try to hide it, try to hang on to it, it becomes a ring in our nose without our even knowing it. And I tell you what, when you've got that ring in your nose, Satan's going to grab it and he's going to take you where he wants to go. Wow. Now, God's answer is to face all of this in brokenness and just to repent. That's God's answer. Uh, the only answer that I found in the Bible to get rid of all this was just repentance. That was the only thing I found that was the antidote. And so 1 Corinthians 10, verse 21, we cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't do that at the same time and, and, and go forward. The worst thing in the world that we can do is to mix the two worlds. Now, as a Christian, we cannot afford to mix the things of God and the things of Satan. Because when we do, you know, we're going to have problems. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, uh, you're not angry with us for that we've gotten into some things that maybe we shouldn't have gotten into, but, Lord, you are pleading with us to repent and just get rid of it. It pleases you so much when we hear uh, the word that maybe we've never heard before, and we say, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. I remember when Jack heard that Halloween was wrong. I didn't know what he was going to do. I, I, because, I mean, we had our children. We went trick-or-treating. We had their, their costumes. And, Father, I thank you that you were able to speak to him and you were able to tell him that you had things that were so much better to take the place of Halloween, to take the place of a satanic holiday. And, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that I'm seeing Christians everywhere saying, God, I want to be pleasing to you. And, Father, when we decide to do that, then we're the one that receives the blessing because you have so many, many good, wonderful things to take the place of, of anything that, that Satan would have to, to offer. And so, Father, I ask now in Jesus' name that our hearts will all be open to let you speak to us and let you just reveal to us your word and the wonderful blessings you have waiting for us when we say, God, we just want to follow after you. We want to please you. We want to be exactly what you want us to be. And you're ready to just grab us and bless us in every direction. So, Father, thank you for that. We just love you and praise you. In Jesus' name.